You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour on this Monday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. You got to give USC credit. In a weekend full of college football news, the Trojans found a way to make a splash with their new hire, Lincoln Riley, leaving Oklahoma, taking over in Los Angeles. He landed with his family about 45 minutes ago. It's a fascinating hire that probably raises even more questions. Why didn't Oklahoma match USC's contract offer? Can Coach Riley rebuild a program that was 4-7 and seven this season? Did the Sooners' impending move to the SEC affect Lincoln Riley's thinking? What happens with all those recruits who committed to Riley at Oklahoma? Will they follow him to USC? What about the current quarterback, Caleb Williams? Will he stay? Will he go? Who's the next Sooners head coach? Ever since Pete Carroll left for the NFL, that was after the 2009 season, Trojans have tried to recreate the uh, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart glory days, and they have failed. Lincoln Riley represents a new approach. He's been the hot guy for a couple of years now. We'll see if his high-powered offense works well outside the Big 12. The Trojans need a jolt. They certainly got it, and then they paid for it. Lincoln Riley tried to create the success he had at Oklahoma as he jumps from one of the college football's most storied programs into another one. Barry Trammell covers the Oklahoma Sooners, the great columnist for the Oklahoman And he joins us now. If I told you a week ago, Lincoln Riley was going to be the USC head coach, you would have said what? Said uh, it's possible, but it doesn't seem likely, but it's possible. I was pretty sure he wasn't going to LSU, but turns out maybe that was a Trojan horse, all that SEC, you know, LSU or Florida or wherever. Um, Going to to Southern Cal makes uh, some sense when you think about it. Uh, if a coach doesn't want to jump into the into the den of vipers that the SEC can be, um, if he wants to replicate what he had at Oklahoma, USC is a pretty good place to do it. That's a place he should go and could quickly dominate the conference. Yeah, I understand that where Oklahoma in the Big 12, you're kind of separated and you go to the Pac-12, you have that opportunity to stay separated. You go into the SEC you know, it, this ain't the Big 12. How much do you think this is him running to USC or running away from the SEC? I think, well, I mean, I think it's the same. Um, if you ask me if, if Oklahoma hadn't joined the SEC or, or made the uh, intent to go to the SEC, would Lincoln Riley still be the coach? I think the answer is yes. Really? Um, yeah, I, I don't think he wanted to, to go to the SEC. Um, I think he'd been successful there, but the success level would have been different from what Oklahoma's accustomed to dominating the conference. You know, they lost Bedlam Saturday night that ended six straight years of winning the big 12. So um, that's, that's sort of the standard he set. That's the standard he expects. You're not going to do that in the sec. Alabama doesn't win six straight sec titles and they're Alabama. So uh, I think he can go to USC. You know, you, uh, the Pac-12 is sort of an open range. Yeah. Anybody that's ready to take over, it, it's it's there for the taking. And and somebody like Lincoln Riley could go to could go to LA and do just exactly that. So the wish list at Oklahoma starts with who? Well, I mean, I think uh, Oklahoma is sort of a unique place. They've one time in their history, literally, have they hired a sitting head coach. That was Howard Schnellenberger in 1995. It was a disaster. He lasted one year. They've always hired an up-and-coming assistant coach. They believe in their program more than personality. 
Barry Switzer, Bob Stoops, uh, Chuck Fairbanks, Bud Wilkinson. I mean, all the big names had never been head coaches before they got to Oklahoma. So uh, that's not necessarily what they'll do now. The transfer portal changes everything. Uh, in the past, when you change coaches, you had to worry about your future rosters and recruiting. Now you got to worry about your current roster, keeping people together. Uh, you need sort of a steady hand. That could mean uh, that could mean uh, immediate uh, wisdom is needed. Guys who can keep the ship going. Um, in terms of names being thrown around, Shane Beamer at South Carolina. He was on Lincoln's staff until a year ago. He's he's a guy to look for because very impressive. Uh, the Beamer family is as classy. Uh, and as well-respected as any in America, and that's not just Frank. Shane is the same way. OU loved him. If he was still on Lincoln's staff, I think he'd already have been named head coach. So he's one to keep an eye on. Uh, the Sooners will talk to Brent Venables also, 13-year assistant at Bob for Bob Stoops. Went to Clemson 10 years ago and has helped Dabo Swinney build an empire. Uh, he's only 50, been coaching uh, you know, 25 years in college football, but he's only 50 years old. He will be a, a viable candidate, and I think OU will look at some of the some of the hot coaches. The guy I think to keep an eye on is Matt Rule, uh, who did wonderful at Baylor. He's always wanted to coach in the NFL. He's now been there two years. Uh, I don't know if he likes it. I know that uh, if you go to the NFL and don't have a quarterback, uh, it's not that great of a job. So is Matt Rule ready to come back to college? I can say this: uh, I've been covering college football for forty years. Most impressive person I've come across as a coach slash personality in coaching is Matt Rule. So that's wow. who that's who I would call. So those are some of the names. Uh, that what about Bob out. Stoops? Uh, Bob Stoops, I don't think wants to get back in the call. Okay. But what a great, what a, what a great resource he is to step in and be able, you know, try to try to keep things steady here for the next week or month or ever, how long he needs to be the interim coach. Uh, Bob got away because of the stress. He got away because of the demands. He got away because of the social media and the changing times. Uh, Bob Stoops is not into uh, he's not into TikTok and NIL. That's not his <laughs> deal. So you know that, that's what you got to be if you're a head coach these days. Uh, what would you say to USC fans uh, listening to this in Los Angeles of what you're getting with Lincoln Riley? You're getting a fantastic coach. I mean, he's. He does everything in a classy manner. Now, you know, OU fans don't like the way he left or that he left or whatever, but uh, he's, a, he's a great coach. Uh, he's not just an offensive savant. He's a great leader. He's a good, he's a good administrator. He's, he's the sharpest guy in whatever room he walks into. Um, I mean, it, it's a home run hire for USC. There's not any question about that. The only question I would have, for USC is how long can you keep him? Does Lincoln eventually want to go to the NFL? If the answer is no, you're going to be you're going to have a good coach for uh, for quite a while, and I think I think you Trojans will ascend to the top of the Pac-12 pretty quickly. Great to catch up with you as always, Barry. Thank you for your time. You bet. Thanks. That's Barry Trammell covers the Oklahoma Sooners for the Oklahoman. Yeah, that's I told two USC guys, and they were like Lincoln Riley. That's the best we can do. And I go, yes. Yes, yes, it is. Like, you guys got to come into reality here. Like, who was the name you were thinking? Lombardi's dead. Were you thinking Pete Carroll's coming back? I mean, come on. You get Lincoln Riley. Not even 40 years of age. 
He's done great recruiting in Los Angeles. Yeah, Seton. It's almost like there was a certain amount of shock to it of like, wait, what? Lincoln Riley? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And then it sort of settled in with, uh, I know some of my friends who are USC fans that, uh, like, what a home run this is. Like, it's a huge win. I think a lot of times when you hear names and then, so there's no jolt that you hear that name attached to your school or that job. And then you go, okay, yeah, all right, heard that. And then this was one of those where it's like, wait, Lincoln Riley said he's not going to LSU. He's, oh, he's going to USC. Okay. Uh, This just in from Adam Schefter. Mike McCarthy is out for Thursday night's game with the Saints due to COVID. Schefter goes on to say, as one league source just said, they're up to eight positives on the Cowboys. Details still rolling in. I don't know if it's players. I know a couple of players haven't gotten the vaccine, but uh, Mike McCarthy is not going to be coaching on Thursday night against the New Orleans Saints. Sunday night, by the way, it'll be Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs host the Broncos. An AFC West showdown is what they call that. Sunday night, 7 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. We'll talk to Carson Palmer, the former USC quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner. He'll join us. I'm sure he's giddy today. With uh, Lincoln Riley is the hire here. Delhi in Chicago joins us. Best and worst of the weekend. Hey, Delhi. Hello there, Dan. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I am I am five eight, and I make Fritzy look good. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> I look like my Delhi. My uh, I look like the pot belly Delhi spokesperson. And best of the worst. <laughs> And the best is, I have to say, is my Bears winning with Andy Dalton, at quarterback. And the worst was the Rams' loss, or I, or I can say that, or Green Bay's win. Okay? All right. Well, thank you, Deli. Leave the humor to us. Um, Kristen in Cincinnati. Hi, Kristen. What's on your mind? Hi, Dan. How you doing today? Great. Great, great. And from one Ohioan to another, um, I have one question for you, but I want to say my, my best and the worst of the weekend. Okay. Best, of course, the Bearcats stay undefeated, keep playoff hopes alive. That's everybody, you know, everybody in Cincinnati is excited about that. Then, of course, the Bengals whooping up on the Steelers, again, keeping their playoff hopes alive. That's awesome. And then the worst of the weekend is because I'm from Ohio, even though for, we're, I'm from Winsinnati, um, it's like I was going for Ohio State against Michigan, even though they got dragged back to Ohio by Michigan. That was the worst of the weekend, getting whooped like that. All so right. well, then I, the question I have oh, for you. okay. Yes, yeah, sir, really quick. Um, since you're from Ohio, who are you most happy for their success, UC, Bengals, or Ohio State? Uh, well, Ohio State didn't have success, but um, in general – Probably the Bengals. I mean, I was there when they first got to town. Uh, The highs and lows, they've been to two Super Bowls. They lost both of those to San Francisco. But, you know, I think they have something here. They got a good running back. You got a really good quarterback. You got a really good wide receiver. I think you got a defense that's better than what people think. And I can look at Pittsburgh. I mean, this is the escalator one's going up and one's coming down i really feel that way with 
changing of the guard. Now, I don't know if Cincinnati is going to be consistently as good as the Ravens. Uh, I feel like they're better than the Browns. They're better than the Steelers. And maybe they make the playoffs. Yeah, McLovin. Who do people in Cincinnati root for in college? Uh, Bearcats or Buckeyes? Got a lot of Ohio State fans. A lot of them. But you got a lot more Cincinnati fans as of late. You know, Cincinnati's always been a basketball school. You didn't talk about their football program very often. I mean, I go back to Greg Cook was the quarterback at Cincinnati, drafted by the Bengals, and was, I think, AFC Rookie of the Year. But that was it. You didn't really talk about Cincinnati football. But, you know, they've done a great job. And I, as I said before, when people were like, oh, Luke Fickle, he could be leaving. I go, no, everything I've been told, he's not. You know, if he wasn't going to take the USC job, I was told. But I don't know if LSU was interested, if, if you know. He's a Midwest guy. I don't know if that, you know, factors in where his next job is. Or maybe Cincinnati decides they want to be a football powerhouse. And they've done a great job this year. I think it's a great story because it gives hope, though, that you once we expand to 12 teams where whenever that is, don't want to get any headlines here, but whenever we go to 12, just having a couple of those teams schools that you might invest in. But it allows those schools to have a different kind of feeling of pride. Every one of those 68 schools that get into March Madness, you know, 40 of them expect to be there. It's the ones that get in, and then they might win a game, and it just goes a long way. It puts you on the sports map. That's all you want to be. You want to be relevant. And Cincinnati is on the sports map. You know, Liberty has been on there. Coastal Carolina. That's what's great. We love those stories. I mean, look, I can watch Alabama and Georgia play and go, yeah, you got you know 17 NFL players, okay. But part of sports is the possibility of give us a chance. That's all. That's all Cincinnati is saying. Just give us a chance. And they played Georgia to the wire last year in a bowl game. And Georgia barely won. But that's all Cincinnati is saying. We got a couple of guys who are going to play in the NFL next year or when their careers are done. All right, we'll take a break. We'll talk to Carson Palmer. Let's see if uh, Lincoln Riley was the guy that he thought they were going to go after at USC. 16 after the hour, Dan Patrick Show. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically. So there's no limit on how much you can earn, which is amazing. Even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of the places in the United States that take credit cards take Discover. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing the word yes more often. Learn more. Discover.com slash yes. That's discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Baseball writer Joel Sherman tweets, heard the Mets offer to Max Scherzer three years, $129 million. Let me do the math here. That's $43 million a year for Max Scherzer. Wow. How old is Scherzer? Is he 36, 37? 37. 37. God. He was great last year. $43 million. Yes, Paulie. Would team and lifestyle play into it at all when it's that kind of money? Like, I would love to be a Dodger. You're playing in the postseason regularly. Lifestyle over the Mets? 
I think he's a Midwest guy. Is that right? He's from Missouri. Missouri? All right. The show me state, huh? See what? Yeah, they, they, nice. Yeah, see what? Very nice. Thank you, Todd. Okay. Thank you, Todd. I knew one guy was going to be happy today. He's our next guest. He's Carson Palmer, former NFL quarterback and, of course, a Heisman Trophy winner at uh, USC. His weekly appearance brought to you by our good partner, Level Select CBD. Looking for next uh, level relief? Visit LevelSelectCBD.com. All right. So what would you think of the hire with uh, Lincoln Riley? Yeah, it's it's a good day to be a Trojan, Dan. I think that one kind of came out of left field. Nobody was expecting it. Nobody was really talking about it. His his name wasn't thrown around the rumorville, and and now he's he's headed to L.A. to be the next coach at USC. And I think it's a fantastic win for the Trojans. Okay, I know that we you know we got you in a little bit of trouble when you brought up Mike Tomlin's name on the wish list. But was Lincoln Riley's name on that wish list? Like, with, and if so, how far back? Oh, he, he was, he would have been at the top of the list. I just don't think anybody really knew his current contract situation. He only has or had one year left on his deal in Oklahoma. You know, it seemed like a great fit, you know, for, for him to stay at Oklahoma for the long haul. Uh, he'd had a ton of success and, and come in, and I think in four or five years, been to the, been to the playoffs three of the four years, three of the five years. So, um, you know, it just it just wasn't on his name was not on people people's radar. And uh, I think a majority of USC fans across the country, if they would have known Lincoln was in the running, he would have been at the top of everybody's list. OK, is there somebody that you thought was going to get it? Well, I think the obvious tie was the Luke Fickle tie with University of Cincinnati and, and Mike Bone, the current USC athletic director, having hired coach fickle to Cincinnati when, when Mike was at Cincinnati, it just was a natural fit. Um, but this one, I mean, at this timing, you just didn't feel this timing. Um, you didn't think there was going to be announcement coming over Thanksgiving weekend. But, uh, like I said, I mean, just a huge win for all Trojans. But if you're a high school quarterback and let's say you're four or five star recruit, um, it feels like those quarterbacks have been leaving Southern California is, is Lincoln Riley enough for these you know, high school seniors to say, I'm going to stay here in, in Southern California. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, he's just look at the last two quarterbacks he had and, and Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, both of them went number one in the draft. Both of them won Heisman trophies. You know, they didn't have a ton of time to work under Lincoln and, and under his tutelage to really develop, but he developed them extremely quickly, which if you look at high school recruits right now, what's important is quick success. Nobody wants to go to go to university and wait two or three years and be the starter and, you know, wait for his turn. Guy, guys want to go into college and play now and they want to have success early. So if, if you're a young, uh, a young high school kid with those kind of aspirations and you just look at the track record of what Lincoln Riley's done in a short amount of time with Kyler Murray and a short amount of time with with Baker Mayfield, I mean, that that's proven success very, very quick, very fast. So I think that's um, you know, a great recruiting tool that Lincoln can go into these high school kids' living rooms and sit in front of their mom and dad and say, hey, look, the proof's in the pudding. I only had a year with Kyler. I had a very short amount of time with Baker, and I've, I've found a way to get the best and to put the best uh, talent out on the field around these players, and I think that's been a big factor in their success also. I think it's a great hire for USC. I think it's a smart move logistically for, for Lincoln Riley because – you can sort of have that Big 12 feel, but now you're in the Pac-12 because Oklahoma's going to the SEC. 
You can still stand alone a little bit like you did with Oklahoma in the Big 12, and you can do that in the Pac-12. What do you think? Oh, oh absolutely. It's much more difficult to get to the bowl championship, uh, to get to the playoffs in the SEC. you got to worry about Georgia. you got to worry about Florida. you got Alabama and LSU and so on. In the Pac-12, you've really got Oregon if you're USC. And I know they just got beat a couple weeks ago by UCLA, but for the most part, you know, you've got a much easier route to get to the playoffs going at Gumman from the Pac-12. I mean, Oregon's consistently pretty pretty good. I mean, you know, over the years, last 10, 15 years, Oregon's really the only challenger that SC's had with an outlier every once in a while with Stanford that's had a, a couple good years. Um, you know, Washington State, you know, has a couple good years every once in a while. But for the most part, it's a USC-Oregon conference. You go look at the, the SEC – everybody's a contender outside of a, a couple of schools. Yeah, I get it. And, uh, you know, he did a lot of recruiting in uh, Southern California too. And then you're going to get these kids who are going to decommit from Oklahoma and probably follow him to USC. You've already got a couple. I mean, you're already starting to hear rumblings. There's a couple of great players at, at modern day, which is one of the, the powerhouses in Southern California and really one of the powerhouse high schools in the country. And they've got two five-star recruits, the running back and the quarterback. Both were committed to Oklahoma. I wouldn't be surprised to see those guys change their minds and, and stay home. I mean, that, that it's, it's tough to leave Southern California when you're a high school football player. And it's really tough to leave Southern California and go to Norman, Oklahoma. And, and then you factor in, you know, the family and friends that are close that can now come and see you and get in a car and drive and watch you play at SC compared to getting on a flight or three flights getting to Norman, um, you know, he, he's going to start getting that kind of Pete Carroll respect from the recruiting classes where everybody out of California, SC's in their top five when Pete Carroll was there. And I think you're going to see that same thing with, with Lincoln Riley. You have not seen that in the, in the Clay Hilton area. There's tons of kids that don't even take a trip to SC and they go to the SEC. They go to the Big 12. They've head, headed outside of California. They've gone to Oregon. Now I think you're going to see that Pete Carroll following of, of these high school kids in California staying in state and giving SC a really hard look. What was the wildest thing that happened on a recruiting trip for you? Um, I had a great recruiting trip to the University of Colorado when, when Rick Neuheisel was there. Um, and Colorado wasn't a big powerhouse at the time. I just, I just had a great relation with Coach Neuheisel and really, really liked him and, and wanted to be a part of what he had going at, at Colorado at the time. And our recruiting trip, we, w- we went paintballing. We went river rafting. Um, we, we just did some outside-the-box things that you wouldn't expect to do on a recruiting trip. And that was part of, you know, that was what, one of the things that made Rick Neuheisel such a great recruiter. He was a phenomenal recruiter is he found ways to exploit the places that he was, University of Washington, UCLA, Colorado. He used, the, um, he used all the things he had in his own backyard to attract kids. You just wanted a free trip to Colorado, didn't you? You weren't going there. No doubt. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I hadn't been to Boulder. I'd heard good things. And, and at the time, New Heisel had them. They were an up-and-coming program. And, um, you know, being a Southern California kid, you wanted to get outside of SoCal and go see. I went to Notre Dame. I went um, to Colorado and SC and, and had a blast on all my recruiting trips. Okay. No names, but what were you offered? Anything interesting anywhere? 
No, I mean, I, that when I was coming up and, and then when I was in the league, I was always hearing stories about a number of SEC schools. Um, there, there's, you know, when, when you go to USC, you got to be so careful if, if there are, if there are extracurricular activities going on and, you know, kids are getting paid pre the, the name, image and likeness world. There, there's a, in LA, there's US, USC grads, UCLA grads, Oregon and Washington. You go on down the list. You go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. There's not a whole bunch of Auburn <laughs> fans. You go to Baton Rouge. There's not a bunch of Georgia Bulldogs in that area and they protect their own. So all the stories I heard were coming out of the SEC where there were really small college towns and they could really control who was seeing some so-and-so ride around in a new Mercedes or a new Cadillac Escalade. We're talking to uh, Carson Palmer, who got offered nothing to go to USC, right? A great education, man. Of course great education. Yes, I know. I paid for two of those educations. All right. Um, when you're playing and you want to play, but you know that you're not helping your team play, who's it on to take Baker out or, you know, Matthew Stafford looked like he was banged up yesterday. At some point, when does who makes that decision that it's better for us if you're not out there trying to gut this out? It's a team decision. And, and when you're talking about the quarterback of a franchise, it's a decision between Baker, the team doctor, the head team trainer, the owner, the GM, and the head coach. You can't just put it on the player because the player is always going to say, I'm good, I'm fine. It's a, it's, it's a collective discussion where everybody puts, you know, puts their weight in, makes their, they, makes their decision, comes up with why, the reasons why, why not. But you can't put it on one individual. And right now it looks like Baker's hurt. And, and the good thing that the Cleveland Browns have in their back pocket is Case Keenum. Case Keenum is a flat player. I mean, it, it hasn't worked out great when he's a starter year after year after year. But when he can spell a banged up, you know, shoulder that Baker may have or rib or whatever the issues he has, you can still win a lot of games with, with him, especially with the talent they have. So, you know, the, the best thing that Baker has and the Cleveland Browns have right now is Case Keenum. And it looks like you know, it looks like Baker's banged up. And if, if that group of, of minds get together and decide that the best thing for the team is Case Keenum, they need to make that decision. I didn't understand this logic, and you can certainly help uh, understand this. You got Aaron Rodgers playing on a toe that might need surgery. If you're the Rams, why aren't you going out of your way? Let's just put pressure on him. I know he can carve you up. He's looking for the blitz and all of those things. But I have to make him uncomfortable. And it just didn't feel like the Rams made Rodgers as uncomfortable as they should have. Yeah, you, you would like to see them come out in the first three or four drives and just put a ton of pressure on him and make him move, make him get in some uncomfortable situations and, and get off balance and throw off platform where he has to put a little more weight on that pinky toe and get him uncomfortable, like you said. But you know, they just kind of sat out and said, we're going to try to cover him. We're going to keep the ball in front of us. You, I, I personally would have liked them to see put a ton of pressure on him early. And if he gets you in the first two or three drives, you can then back off and sit and play zone and keep the ball in front of you and not let him throw it over your head. But it just was too easy. I mean, when you see these quarterbacks that are banged up and then, you know, Sunday night was a great example. Baltimore knew that, that he was hurting. They could tell Baker was hurting. They've read all the press clippings. They've seen it. And they came after him. I mean, they, they were bringing not cover zero full pressures, but they consistently brought pressure and got him out, outside the pocket, made him move, made him get off platform and throw some balls that, you know, a t you know typically a healthy Baker would make, but an injured Baker's not going to make. And, 
you would like to have seen that um, with with the Rams yesterday. But for whatever reason, they came back and they wanted to keep the ball in front of them, and they got almost forty points hung on them. Unfortunately. Yeah, I just I wonder about that because he might be playing himself out of getting that long term contract by wanting to play to help this team. Yeah, I mean that that tough guy mentality is something that that you want your quarterback to have. Every organization wants their franchise player to say, I can play no matter what. But again, this group of doctors and professionals and GMs and head coach, they need to get together and and make that decision as a team and what's best for the team. But from from a contractual standpoint going forward, I mean, you can't sit here and say that Baker's earned a long-term contract that's going to pay him 40 million bucks a year. It's just flat out the play on the field has not shown that he's worth 30 40 50 million bucks a year which which is where these contracts are heading currently so they're in a tough spot i mean it's it's tough not to re-sign and give a long-term extension to a guy that's number one pick a guy that's kind of kept you somewhat in the playoff hunt every year he's been there um but not getting in the playoffs and with the talent they have they've got some huge decisions to make this offseason as a former great quarterback when I see Aaron Rodgers, and I'm talking about you being the former great quarterback. Aaron Rodgers just, it still feels like there's a backyard mentality to how he plays that position. That, you know, the guy in the backyard, the quarterback's always the best athlete, and, and it still feels that way. How does he, how's he able to do it where it feels like it's, it's when he's great, it's as effortless as anybody who plays in the game? It's as unorthodox as anybody I've ever seen play the position. I mean, you you know, it's funny as as the last 20 years have progressed the position of playing quarterback. And it started back in the day with the San Francisco 49ers and the, the Steve Youngs and the Joe, Joe Montana's the progression. One hitch, two hitch, first, second, read, third, read, fourth, read. And you go through a progression. You read the curl and the flat to the hook to the check down. He doesn't play the game that way. And very, very few guys, I mean, another guy that really doesn't play that game that way is, is Mahomes. You rarely see them take a five-step drop, one hitch, two hitch, three hitch throw. I mean, sometimes Aaron's in a back pedal. Sometimes he's in a, a traditional drop back. Sometimes he's doing some sort of pump fake at the line of scrimmage to pump the now and they, you know, pump a draw. He's, he's just absolutely like you're saying it. He's playing in the backyard and looking for somebody in the right mismatch situation, looking for somebody just to give him a sliver of room to fit a ball into. But as far as playing the game, the way that we're all taught, even these young kids coming up right now, they're taught it's a purely progression game. Aaron does not go through progressions. He looks for a mismatch, finds a way to manipulate the pocket, extend the play, and try to go for the big chunk play and not throw that check down when the defense is dictating that this ball needs to be thrown to the check down. He's just not willing to take that five-yard throw. He wants that 25-yard back shoulder throw that we see him do week in and week out. As you said a couple of weeks ago, you know, teaching young kids don't emulate Aaron Rodgers because you can't. And and probably the same with Mahomes. But But if you sat down with him, could he teach you something about what he does that you wouldn't be aware of right now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there's so much going on. Um, that we as, as NFL fans can't see from, from the NBC cut or the Fox cut. If we had the coach's cut, which is that, that camera that's at the very top of the stadium that's showing all 22 players in the field at the same time, you can pick up some things that way. But 
who knows? I mean, it, that's why he's so difficult to coach. And you've seen kind of coaches that always seem to be somewhat on the hot seat and, you know, you know, from McCarthy and, and then out the issues with Fleur we were hearing about uh, early on this year and last season. He's got to be difficult to coach because, you know, you can call a play and number one <laughs> is not open, but number two is wide open. And he over he just moves right past number two. And every once in a while, he'll take a sack waiting for number three or number four, hoping number four comes open in his read. And that's got to drive coaches absolutely nuts. But absolutely, hands down, he is worth the headache. Concerns about the Rams? I'm not. I mean, I, I know they've, they've had a couple tough weeks in a row. Um, but at the end of the day, Odell Beckham is still trying to figure it out. Matt Stafford is still trying to figure him out. We're going to see there's enough season left before the playoffs start that we're going to start to see those two guys mesh a little bit more. You saw Odell catch the sluggo, the slant go route for the touchdown. We're going to start seeing more of that. I mean, he's getting more and more comfortable with the formations. And that's one thing you got to realize about a Sean McVay offense is there is so much going on before the ball is snapped. There are so many shifts, motions, movements, checks that are happening that you just can't come in and pick those up no matter how smart you are in two or three weeks. Those are going to take a month, a month and a half. So, I mean, this team is just loaded with talent. They have some of the best defensive players in all of football. They have some of the best offensive players in all of football. And when you have that combined with that coach, uh, it, it's a good recipe. I, I look to see them getting in the playoffs and really picking up some steam. You gave us piss missile last week. You promised uh, another one this week. So uh, what are you offering up with football jargon? Dan, I'm, I'm not an off-the-cuff kind of guy. It's, it's, uh, it's got to come naturally. It's you told be more me. Organic. You, you sa- I said give me more, and you go wait till next week. You didn't you prepare. Gotta, you did not prepare film study. I woke up at two. I woke up at two this morning preparing for the DP <laughs> show. So I've been preparing all morning, but it's it's got to naturally and organically oh, come off the top. You God. can't just ask for a list of them. Okay. Maybe next week. That, that's the cliffhanger. Maybe <laughs> next week. All right. Well, congratulations on your Trojans. You're back. We're back, baby. Thank you, bud. That's uh, Carson Palmer joining us uh, courtesy of Level Select CBD, the uh, next level relief, levelselectcbd.com. All right, phone calls coming up. Uh, What we learn, what's in store tomorrow. Final 20 minutes of the program back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup. Sit, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Carmen and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts all righty happy birthday to russell wilson jr the third 33 today uh let's see this uh nba news in from shams 
Michael Porter Jr. expected to miss the rest of the season due to back surgery. He signed that contract extension, I think. He had the issue when he got to Missouri his freshman year. You know, back, bad back, doesn't leave you. Bad back is always going to be there. By the way, started the season where, well, prior to the start of the NBA season, where we found out that Zion had off-season foot surgery. And I said, it's a really big deal to keep an eye on. And now we find out that he's probably going to be out until second week of January. Once again, he's still trying to come back from the surgery. And all of this time, out of shape, gaining weight. There's some, there's some concerns here. Foot surgery, another thing. Have something like that, that usually doesn't leave you either. Now, the question is, to what degree does it stay? And you get a guy of that size who has, you know, a lot of explosion in his game. Man, oh, man, this is not good. Not good for Zion. Uh, let's see. This day in sports history. Final results of the poll question, McLovin. So, hour three, we put up worst loss of the weekend, and Oklahoma was on there for both their loss on the field and their coach. <laughs> so, they won. The second worst loss is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, it's, it's not that they lost, it's how they lost. When, when you show up, well, they didn't show up. They weren't competitive. That's different because in this rivalry, now, Pittsburgh fans would say it's not a rivalry, and they're probably correct. But, you know, Bengals have swept them this year. It just feels like there's a little bit of changing of the guard there. Al in Atlanta has been holding. Al, best and worst of the weekend. Morning, Dan. Morning, bud. Uh, best of the weekend was University of Illinois finally getting that six-year monkey off their back and finally beating Northwestern. And worst is having to wait 21 days for a Falcons touchdown, and it comes in a nail-biter win over the Jaguars. <laughs> we got taken to the wire by the Jaguars. Thank you, Al. What? Al always sounds a little roughed up from the weekend there. Do you realize that uh, we have 83 bowl-eligible teams right now? 13 of the 14 SEC teams bowl-eligible this year. Uh, is it Buell in Oregon? Hopefully I got that right. Buell? Yes. Okay. Yes, this is Buell. How are you? Hey, Buell. Hey, hey uh, so I got a best of the weekend. It's actually a bucket list best. Uh, I was at the uh, Michigan game, first first trip to the big house. It was awesome. great. We flew in. Yeah, we flew in Friday night. Uh, got there early for game day. Uh, it was cool. Got to the big house, walked in, you know, it was, you know, we sat kind of by some, uh, Ohio state people. So that was, that was a little obnoxious there for a little bit, but you know, scoring a touchdown every single time you have the ball in the second half shuts them up pretty quick, but we did, uh, we did rush the field. Uh, my daughter and I, as we, as we got down to the field, we were, uh, in the seventh row, got kind of crazy. This guy ate it like right in front of us. My daughter was like, Hey, I'm not going. It's like, we can do this. And so we, you know, bailed off, got down there, got to the M in the middle. And then, uh, Mr. Brightside from the killers it was just a surreal moment bucket list for sure all right. so anyway all right. thanks dan thank you Bill. yeah that's great i remember going to an ohio state game ohio state michigan and ohio state won and my son said can i can i go on the field i said well ohio state won and he goes yeah i know but like people are running on the field i said well, sure 
So he, he went, I mean, it wasn't one of those like Ann Arbor where they've been waiting for a decade. It's like, hey, we won. Like, you don't really storm the field. You kind of stroll onto the field like, yeah, I get there in a minute. Wasn't really a celebration, but he was like, yeah, I'd like to go out there and celebrate. I said, all right. Not big on it, but go ahead if you want to. If, you know, if you uh, get caught, you know, give them your mom's maiden name, you know, something. Don't have any ties to me. Uh, Doug, oh, it's Mr. Separatist. Doug in North Carolina. Doug, how was your Thanksgiving? It was, I'm not going to lie to you, Dan. It was a it was a long weekend here in uh, North Carolina. A lot of tears, a lot of tears, and I, I wasn't bothered by the fact that most of America disagreed with Marvin's wife and I. I yeah, listen, we're right, you're wrong. That's fine. What really hurt, as you know, I'm the president of the uh, Fritzy Fan Club, and what really tore me up was that moment that Todd called me a lunatic, and I'm having to start a support group about for people who've been rejected by Todd. It's uh, it's not a very large group, but uh, when I get done with that, I'm thinking of starting a, a, a new Scott Shapiro fan club. I don't know who Scott is. <laughs> <Wow>. but, uh, <laughs> well, but you know, when your hero disses you and calls you a lunatic and says you have to get on your medication, it hurts a little bit. It's all in good fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, Doug. You gave us a lot of content there with uh, Doug separates all of his food on his plate at Thanksgiving. Yes, Todd. I just want him to be able to enjoy the fruits of things like dumping a bunch of different types of foods on top of one another and not get so obsessed, compulsive with what's going on with how they can't touch each other at all. It's really not going to contaminate it. You may come up with some kind of, you know, someone came up with peanut butter and chocolate mixed together. You never know what kind of interesting combinations you're going to come up. You're talking about people who are obsessive and compulsive. Okay. It's not an easy thing. I got my own issues. Thank you. I know you do. Uh, this day in sports history, Paul. 1962, MLB decided to return to only one All-Star game a year beginning in 1963. I didn't realize in the 50s and 60s, they played two All-Star games a year. I had no idea. Yeah. And in 1890, Navy defeated Army by the score of 24-0 in the first Army-Navy football game. The game was played at West Point. Uh, let's go around the room. What we learned, Todd, what you uh, learn today? You'd like Georgia's defensive unit to at least be awarded mini Heisman trophies. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Uh, McLevin. Carson Palmer seems pretty happy about Lincoln Riley at USC. Yeah, he should. Seton O'Connor. Sounds like Lincoln Riley turned down 12 mil a year. Yeah, you know, I hope that uh, that they're going to get some defense, though, because Lincoln Riley normally has really, really, really good offenses and bad defenses. Paulie? Max Scherzer may be on the move. Uh, Todd, what did I learn today? Just because you find yourself standing on third base doesn't necessarily mean you hit a triple. Jim Harbaugh shot at Ryan Day. What we learn, brought to you by... Mercedes-Benz. The compact GLA proves it's not the size of the SUV in the site. Fight. It's the size of the fight in the SUV. Learn more about the nimble and ready for anything Mercedes-Benz vehicle at MBUSA.com. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Thanks. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Dan Patrick Show. One more item. We close out this Monday show. Puerto Rico, the new go-to destination for quality investment opportunities, but finding the right projects to invest in can be a pretty tough task. Impeller takes the guesswork out of the equation. I-M-P-E-L-L-E-R. Impeller, a new online tool spearheaded by Invest Puerto Rico that facilitates connections between investors and on-island projects looking for capital. They have innovative projects. They have all sectors, healthcare, tech, clean energy, visitor economies, commercial real estate. Impeller's easy 
to use features allow you to get the right deal done. Plus, you can find insights like financials, company background, leadership, performance needs, and anything else that you need for an informed decision when investing in Puerto Rico. Visit investpr.org forward slash impeller. Set up your account today. Then gain access to quality, innovative deals that are right for the taking. Impeller, your hub for investment opportunities in Puerto Rico, powered by Invest Puerto Rico. 